Good evening. Welcome to Worship. I'm Ben. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. A special welcome to folks who are here tonight, visitors, guests, family, friends who have come to, to hear kids sing. What a joyful thing. We are so glad, so glad that you are here with us tonight. So I was at the doctor the other day, and I was in a waiting room, and the waiting room at a doctor's office is just the place you sit until you get to the next waiting room, and, and there I was, and, and as I'm waiting, I, I see a, a young woman, a mother come in with a sick kid, a, a little boy she's carrying in a car seat, and, and she picked her child up out of the car seat, and she sat down, and, and she plopped him on her lap, and, and then in that moment, uh, she breathed this uh, sigh of what I would guess was relief. And I, I don't know this for sure, but, but I bet that she was worn out and that she was weary, that she'd had some sleepless nights with lots of tears. And finally, finally she was close. She was close to the place with some answers. She was close to the place with maybe a solution. Finally, the hours of struggle had turned into minutes of hopeful waiting. That's what Advent, the season that we're in right now as the church, that's what Advent is. It's this waiting room where we're closer, closer to the solution, a, a new moment, a, a breath of, of relief that comes to each one of us as we wait now with hope for an answer to the pain, the hurt, the sin, the brokenness of the world. We wait expectantly for Jesus, this child who will be born. For unto us a child is born. Those are the, the words of a prophet whose name was Isaiah, who lived many, many years ago, and he was waiting just like us. And so today we remember and we wait with hope because a mighty God, a mighty God is coming. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. May it light our way this Advent season. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So it was years ago, it was Christmas Eve, my family was opening gifts, we were taking turns youngest to oldest, and it, was, it always was growing up this special moment, I think, for us. Uh, we'd eaten our dinner, we'd gone to church, everyone was full and relaxed. Okay, not everyone probably was relaxed at that moment, but most of us, and I remember sitting that Christmas Eve in the living room, and I opened a present, and there in the box was a digital camera, and these were before the days, the ancient times when we know we didn't have a, a camera every single place we went in our pockets on our phones so so I had asked for this camera and my parents had given it to me it was this perfect camera this little point and shoot and, and it even took videos can you imagine that and and I was excited I was too excited to to wait to open this box and so I opened the box I pull out the camera uh, what I pulled out was not the camera on the front of the box it was like a brick. Uh, it, it was obviously used. It was old. It looked like the first digital camera that had ever been invented in the history of the world. And my heart sort of sank in this moment. I didn't think that anyone was pulling a prank on me, and they weren't. But so what was I supposed to do? Uh, should I say something? I didn't want to sound ungrateful in that moment, but also something was clearly wrong here. And so finally I said, uh, you know, I don't think this is right. Uh, 
look at this camera. And so everyone did, and, and they said, yeah, uh, they agreed, that's not the camera that's on the box. Uh, someone must have bought it, switched it out, returned it, and nobody at the store ever checked to confirm that they had the right one. That was sort of shocking, but that's the conclusion that we ran into. And, and so my dad said, uh, we'll go back and we'll, we'll try to return it. And so a few days later, after Christmas, we piled into the car and we drove to the store. And you can imagine a few days after Christmas, the stores were packed with people looking to return things, looking for Christmas deals. And so we got in this line and we waited in this line for what seemed like forever. Finally, we get to the front and a man greeted us and we explained what was going on, what we thought had happened, someone swapping the camera out. And the man behind the counter, he looked at us and he said, uh, well, you can't return this because it's not the camera camera on the box. We said, yeah, we know. That's why we're here. And, and uh, that's why we're returning it. And so this back and forth sort of continued for a while, and, and, and he wouldn't take it back. And eventually he sort of lost our patience. He wanted to get to the next, uh, lost his patience, wanted to get to the next person in line. And, and if I remember right, I think he might have even accused us of being the ones who had done this. And so uh, we decided that it was time to leave. I was crushed at this. It was a little bit too much injustice for a young teenager to bear. How on earth could this happen? I was mad. I was furious. I was devastated almost to the point of tears. And you know what I wanted? You know what I wanted in that moment? I'll admit this. I wanted some kind of revenge, retaliation. I wanted my dad, who was there with me, to make a scene to smash the camera on the ground, to demand a refund, to yell at the guy, to make him feel small and silly. I wanted a victory, but my dad didn't do that. He didn't yell and scream. I'd never seen him do those things before, so I don't know why that he would start in that moment. Instead, we just turned around, and we left, and we went home, and I didn't know what would happen next. I don't know if it was the next day if, or if I had to wait more than 24 hours uh, in agony, but eventually my dad went back alone and he talked to someone else, someone maybe with a little bit more pull, and he calmly explained the situation and he came home with my Christmas camera and I still have it. Haven't used it in years, but I have it. What's the saying? Cooler heads prevail. What I wanted in that moment was strength, a display of anger. But what my dad showed me was that in those moments, true strength isn't always what we think it should be. Sometimes it looks more like patience, kindness, and calm. Many, many, many years ago, the people of Israel, they were waiting for a savior. The word that they used was Messiah, an anointed one is what that means, a king who would come and sort out all of the problems of the world. And let me tell you, they had a whole lot of problems, much worse than a stolen digital camera. These were people who had turned their backs on God. They were worried about the, the political stability of their world. They, this great kingdom of, of Saul and David and Solomon had been split in two, and, and there was 
was enemies all around them, their culture, their religion, their way of life. Everything was crumbling in front of them. There was war everywhere. And then on top of that, they were just like you and me. They had family relationships that were strained. They were worried about bills and about food. They, they asked, would there be enough this year? They, they had sickness and grief, and, and they didn't have the words for this, but you can bet they struggled with depression and with anxiety and with fear about their lives and about the lives of their children. And in that, they were longing and they were waiting and they were hoping for something to change. And it's in that environment that, that the words of the prophet Isaiah come to them, the same words that we just heard, for to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Mighty God. Their enemies were strong, but they knew that their God would come and that he would be stronger. So they put their hope in this Messiah, this person that would come and sort out all of the problems and the pain. And, and, and here is what they hoped for. They hoped for a warrior, a king with strength and wisdom like no other who would smash all of their enemies, who would destroy the nations that they warred with and restore them and heal them. They hoped for revenge and righteous rage and triumph and glory. And they waited. They waited for years for that. They waited through more war, more turmoil, through exile, being taken out of, of their home in Jerusalem and going back. They waited with fear and with worry and with pain, but also with hope. With hope in God's promise. That longing for a Messiah continued, and eventually the enemies that they were facing faded from Assyria and Babylon to Rome. And God's promise of, of a child came to a young couple, Mary and Joseph. And Mary was, was carrying a child, the one that, that God had promised, the Savior of the world, the, the mighty God who would take on flesh, who would be born here on earth, a baby. Mighty God, a baby who would grow and learn and lead, who would heal and feed and live and die. But he wasn't what the people of Israel expected. He wasn't the gift that they thought they were receiving. He wasn't a warrior. He didn't immediately destroy the enemies of Rome or Babylon or Assyria. He didn't smash all the problems of the world. He did the unexpected. He died. He died. The powerful, eternal, everlasting, and mighty God died. No display of anger. No revenge. He died. What's mighty about that? Jesus didn't seem to do the things that they had hoped. But he did so much more. The hope that they had was thin, small. A hope that God would manage the symptoms of the problems of the world. That they would get rid of uh, th their enemies. That God would get rid of their worries. 
But in his mightiness, God went even deeper than the symptoms. He went to the root, he went to sin, and he went to death. And by the death of Jesus and his resurrection, by his sacrifice on a cross, those powers of sin and death were destroyed. You see, God is mighty beyond anything you and I can imagine, but his mightiness in Jesus, it doesn't look like strength to us at a first glance. It looks more like love and kindness and forgiveness and mercy and justice and peace and sacrifice and salvation. The Apostle Paul will later write these words about Jesus. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. True strength. The might of God. It's so much more, so much more than the people of Israel could ever have hoped for. And it wasn't just for them. It was for the world. And it wasn't just for the present moment, for that slice of history that they lived in. It was eternal. And we share in that hope. It's this hope that God wouldn't just throw your and my problems away, but that he would heal them from the inside out, that his weakness would bring us strength. And that's what this Advent waiting is all about. It's about waiting for that same child, that same Savior, that same mighty God to come into our world, our lives, our hurts, our struggles, to live, to die, to rise again, to give us new life in mighty, powerful ways that we could never, ever imagine. I remember uh, years ago, before I came to Hope, meeting a man whose name was Jim. It was at an Advent service, just like this one. And Jim told me that night through tears that, that a year before, he'd lost his wife to a horrible disease, tragic. She was too young. And the pain, even a year later, was so hard, so real, so present every day for him. And he didn't understand why. Why? Why was the grief still there? Why hadn't it faded? Jim had this longing in him, this Advent sort of, of longing, a hope that God would just come in and smash all of his grief and pain to pieces, that God would sweep all of that away, this big, mighty display of strength, but God didn't do that. He didn't. In the end, God did so much more. Over the next year, Jim joined our church, and, and God surrounded him with people who cared, people who could listen. Jim made this uh, pact with himself that he was going to start uh, to read the Bible every day. Promises like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Promises like the words of, of Jesus who says, I go to prepare a place for you. Or, or promises of Jesus like, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And the mightiness of God worked in his life, slow and steady sort of like water that carves a channel through the rock. Maybe it didn't look like strength at first, but it was. It was the kind of mightiness that only Jesus can do. And with time and grace, healing and joy filled Jim's life because of the comfort and the hope that come when we place our trust and our faith in Jesus who is the salvation of the world. So tonight, like a mom who's waiting in a waiting room, like the people of Israel and like Jim, this world, you and I, we wait for a savior. 
We wait because we have war and we have hunger and we have death and we have worries. We have bills and stress and work and we have family troubles and we have friends who have drifted away and we have grief and anger and we have uncertainty about the future and and we want God to come in with this big display of anger to smash all of our problems and to sweep it all away from us. But our God is so much mightier than that because he gives his strength up to do what nobody else can do to live and to die for you and for me. The mightiness of God. The mightiness of God in a helpless baby. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that when we are weak, you are strong. And that your strength and your mightiness is beyond anything we could ever hope for, plan for, or imagine. So fill our lives, fill our world with that mightiness as we wait for you and your salvation. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.